0: Get ready, because you're going to learn specific actions you can take today to help your business reach its full potential and leave a lasting impact on the world.
1: Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hadley, where I interview the top business leaders in e-commerce. Today, I'm speaking with Tyler Gregg of Amp.io, and we will be talking a lot about bringing external traffic to Amazon through Google Ads. This episode is brought to you by Ecom Breakthrough Consulting, where I help seven-figure companies grow to eight figures and beyond. Listen, Tyler, I started Hadley Designs in 2015, and I grew it to an eight-figure brand in seven years, but I made a lot of mistakes along the way that made getting to that path to eight figures take a lot longer. At times, I even doubted myself and whether I could survive in the business world or even create a real brand. I wish I would have had a guide to help me grow faster and avoid a lot of those stumbling blocks. If you've hit a plateau and you want to know the next steps to take your business to the next level, then go to ecombreakthrough.com. That's ecom with two Ms to learn more. And as a special bonus to my podcast listeners, I'm giving away one $10,000 comprehensive business strategy audit session at no cost. Email me at josh at ecombreakthrough.com with the subject line strategy audit and tell me why your business should win this free audit for a chance to win. And don't worry if you don't win the free strategy audit this month because you'll automatically be entered for future months to come. Today, I'm excited to introduce you all to Tyler Gregg. Tyler is the head of operations at Ampt. Tyler is passionate about helping growing brands leverage Google Ads to take the next step in their growth journey. Prior to Ampt, Tyler worked for a management consultancy specializing in Helping grow growing stage brands expand their operations and grow sales. Tyler and his team at Amped are big data analysts who have spent seven plus years building Google Ad Tech and now bring that technology and knowledge to the Amazon industry, allowing Amazon sellers to unlock Google
0: Ads. Welcome to the podcast, Tyler. Hey Josh, thanks so much for having me today. I'm excited to uh, be here and talk a little bit about Google Ads, but you know, talk about e-commerce in general and kind of what we're seeing in the industry.
1: Yeah, Tyler, I I know you and I met at a billion dollar seller summit there put on by Kevin King. And, you know, speaking with you and learning about Amp.io, I was super impressed with what you guys have built. And I think our audience would be interested in hearing that journey of, you know, how did Amp get started? What brought you to where you guys are today? And what I would argue to say is the kind of the name brand of bringing external Google ad traffic to Amazon.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so kind of quick background on Amped is we are Google Ads to Amazon experts. (laughs) That is all we do. I kind of joke about like, that is all we know. (laughs) I don't know anything else other than Google Ads uh, to Amazon, Um, but we know a little bit more. And uh, the background on our company is we started uh, right around 2015, just like you guys. And we started as really a data science platform for Google Ads to D2C stores. And it was a great journey. We we built out a really incredible data science engine that was able to analyze Google Ads data. And then we worked with a lot of agencies to help them drive efficiency, find unproductive spin, find areas to double down using data, using our data science engine. And about two years ago, uh, our engine was all focused on manual keyword adjustments. So, hey, your bid's at 15 cents. If you up it to 32 cents, you're going to unlock $10,000 of revenue. You should do that, right? But two years ago, Google started going to all of our agency partners saying, no more manual bidding. You need to do automated bidding. And Google's pushing all their automation, right? And we're sitting there going, huh, if Google's not letting us do manual bids and they're incentivizing agencies to not do manual bids, but do automated bids, where does that leave us? (laughs) Right? Right and so we're kind of looking around going okay what what do we do now like we have all this google ads data we have all this google ads expertise what do we do and so we started saying okay what if we started pointing that engine and helping you know smbs this was originally we were more focused on large enterprise companies okay what if we started focusing on smbs and we actually built a shopify and big commerce app uh, that allowed sellers to quickly uh, efficiently create Google ads campaigns from scratch and send them into uh, their Shopify store. Mm. And that basically tabled all of our data science, keyword modeling, probabilistic engine and all that stuff. And started at, earlier in the campaign, which is the campaign creation side. And we started sending all this traffic to a lot, mostly Shopify. And the conversion rates just weren't really there. Uh, so we would help thousands of brands, but it would bring in traffic to their website. But then we had to start getting into this world of, okay, well, you're getting good traffic. And we had to start teaching them, how do you get that traffic to convert? How do you read the web analytics to improve your landing page experience and improve conversion rates? Because the traffic's good, websites just not converting. And what we realized was, it was less of that brands problem. It was a little bit more of uh, a Shopify issue to where People don't really look at a D2C store and you know, say, I'll give you my credit card or, hey, sure, I'll pay $15 for shipping. Right. They're so trained by Amazon for my credit card saved. This is going to show up in two days and I'm not going to pay for anything. I'm not going to pay for shipping fees. So we said, why don't we send all this traffic to Amazon, the best converting website in the world? That's going to solve all of our conversion rate issues. And we can focus on what we're really good at, which is really good Google ad campaigns. So about a year and a half, coming up on two years ago, we started saying, all right, let's send it to Amazon. And we actually, funny enough, we started by using uh, the Amazon affiliate program, okay. uh, not yeah. the attribution program because attribution program was so early in its beta. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't even really the API access that we needed. So we started kind of hacking it a little bit by using the affiliate codes. And we learned a lot from it uh, because what would happen is you would send traffic in and affiliate, code, affiliate tracking would allow you to see all the products purchased on the Amazon marketplace after the click, whereas yeah. Amazon attribution only allows you to see your products purchased after the click. Okay. And so what we saw with the affiliates was it was about 30% um, of the time someone clicked on our ad, they would buy something from Amazon, right? I mean, that's incredible conversion rates. And it also speaks a little bit to why Amazon's incentivizing external traffic. Yeah. Because the Amazon knows you bring someone in, they're buying something. They're going to buy Amazon. something. <laughs> right. And so that's why they're incentivizing it, obviously. But then we moved on from the affiliates uh, as we started partnering with the Amazon uh, ads team. They're like, guys, we have a program for what you guys are doing. It's not affiliates. It's called Amazon Attributions and Beta. And then from there, uh, we partnered pretty closely with them and uh, have been slowly expanding. Learning very, very quickly, uh, sending traffic to Amazon is uh, very nuanced. It's different than sending traffic to a Shopify store. It's very different than Amazon ads on Amazon. So it's very nuanced. And we've been learning very quickly, working with a lot of great, excuse me, working with a lot of great brands. And it's been a really awesome journey for sure. That's awesome. Well, thanks for giving us
1: kind of a rundown. There's a lot to unpack there. I think it's interesting that you guys started with those affiliate links, right? Uh I'm curious with those affiliate links, so would the sellers that you were working with, would they sign up for their own affiliate account then and then share that affiliate link with you? Or were you guys the ones generating the affiliate, you know, links
0: and revenue? I mean that you're kind of double dipping there both ways, right? Yeah, it was us. It was us doing it. Okay. <laughs> and um not I don't think it was like technically against terms of service, but it's definitely one of those. There's got to be a better way to do this type kind of mindset. And um, I mean, obviously with affiliates, it's like a two or 3% commission, right? Whereas with attribution links, you get a 10% random for all bonus. So Amazon didn't like it, but they also provided kind of that carrot on the stick to have a switch over to attribution. Uh, Also with the affiliates, it, it wasn't super scalable. Uh, It was definitely in our alpha testing phase. So we're just trying to figure out, Okay, we know Amazon converts for on Amazon traffic, but can it convert for off Amazon traffic? So it was kind of just part of our alpha testing. And I don't think we ever really thought long term we would be doing affiliates. We have to figure out some better way to do it. Yeah. Uh, But it was it was our first kind of foray into external traffic to Amazon. Yeah, you got
1: to start somewhere. And that that was the only place to really track
0: <laughs> external yep. traffic at the time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The other the other thing that we tried to do, and I know a lot of brands have, have tried this, and I know a lot of brands still do it, but is sending the traffic to a, a squeeze page and then sending that traffic once it hits that landing page, then onto Amazon. Right. We did that as well. Uh, the, the issue with that is really twofold is, One, you lack some of the keyword level conversion data that you get by just sending it directly to Amazon. Uh, But I know a lot of brands um, want, they want to qualify the traffic before they hit the product listing page uh, because they're so protective of conversion rates. We haven't seen that be an issue because it's tagged correctly and Amazon knows external traffic is going to convert at a different rate than on Amazon traffic. So we don't think lower conversion rates, direct product listing actually impacts it. But Um, what we saw instead, and I know you and I have talked about this is instead of sending traffic to a middle squeeze page, landing page, and then onto Amazon where you lose a lot of the traffic, um, and you also have to build out a landing page, sending it to your Amazon storefront, which is pretty easy to build out a landing page. It's in the Amazon experience so people are comfortable with it. And it's your brand too, versus a squeeze page. You know, unless you're a really good designer, it's probably going to look a little bit janky. It's not going to have Amazon branding. And all of a sudden, you're kind of losing that consumer trust.
1: Yeah. Plus, it's got to be an extra click into Amazon, right? And every extra click, you're going to you're going to start losing people. Yeah. Click friction. You got to avoid
0: that at all costs.
1: (laughs) So with that, so going back to when you were using like the affiliate links, I think what's interesting about that is that you were able to see what other products people were purchasing, even though they came in from a different keyword, right? Uh, Or, you know, they might be shopping, the ad was specific to brand XYZ, but then they end up buying toothpaste or something else like that, right? So tell me, like, what percentage of the time, you know, did you see people purchasing other products other than what people were advertising for?
0: Yeah, it, it, it was fascinating looking at that data to see, okay, once they enter the kind of the portal into Amazon, it's like, Oh, my God, you guys are just spending a ton of money now, right? You asked Google for, you know, toothpaste, and now you're buying a kitchen table, like, what do you wait? How yeah. did that even happen? Right? Um, so the conversion rates were around 30%. So 30% of the time someone clicked on our Google ads, they would buy something from Amazon. Uh, in terms of how often they deviated from the exact product, I don't remember the stats on that. It wasn't something we were super focused on uh because okay. we were just looking strictly at if you bring external traffic in, do they buy something? Um it, it was it, it wasn't too astronomical, but it definitely did happen. Uh and it happened for different products too. So there's a lot of variables that went into it, which is why we yeah. didn't really focus on that data too much. You know, if you bring in uh, just toothpaste, right? Someone or no, it's not just toothpaste. It, um if someone asks Google for like an an iPhone stand for like your desk or something and they land on your product listing, but then they scroll down and they see a similar product for $10 less. Like we can't really control that. Right. Like, right. So we didn't really look at it too much or, you know, a personal decision like that. Maybe they wanted one that had the cord going through the bottom, or maybe they wanted one that was a sideways stand or whatever. Right. So yeah. we didn't look too much at, okay, what was the conversion rate directly on that product versus on other products? We just looked at generally like, oh, like 30% conversion rates. And we would just been working with, you know, Shopify where the conversion rates were like less than 1%. Right. So we were pretty excited to just see conversion rates in general at that scale. And then we knew from there, it's like, okay, you know, it's not going to work for every product, but it makes sense of why we're hearing all these rumors that external traffic impacts ranking because you bring it in and they buy something from Amazon Amazon's smart enough to say hey you're you're bringing us sales like keep doing what you're doing kind of thing yeah okay that
1: that makes sense so <clears throat> let's let's back it up further right so obviously we can see why Amazon would be incentivized to have sellers bring external traffic because if we're bringing external traffic and 30% of the time it converts regardless whether it's our product or something else. Amazon doesn't really care about the individual seller. What they care about is obviously their bottom line and exactly. generating more sales. So then why, why would this be you know appealing to a regular Amazon seller if, if I'm going to go pay for traffic, but then they're going to end up buying my competitor's product or now they, they're looking for a calendar and then they end up purchasing toothpaste. Like That's not my intention of why I'm paying for Google Ads, right? So what's the appeal to an Amazon seller?
0: Right. So the appeal is, and we see it in what we've always referred to as this halo effect uh, to where you bring in traffic, brands report like, hey, my rankings going up, my total sales have increased. And what we really try to teach our brands is think of it through a tacos lens. You know, if you have a 10% tacos, you add Google ads and two months later, you still have a 10% tacos once you've added your Google ads into it and your sales have gone up you know, you, you efficiently added another channel. And so we've always said like, okay, it's this some weird halo effect, the A9 ranking algorithm saying, Hey, you're bringing in good traffic for us, keep bringing it in. And so it's rank rewards, it's total sales increases. Um, recently, Amazon, like we've always we've worked with Amazon for a year and a half, coming up on two years now. And we've always been like, Hey, like, our, our brands keep reporting this is something going on. And they never say anything. They're always like, Uh, Oh, you know, that'd be really interesting if it was and all that stuff. Yeah. But then just about four weeks ago now, so it was uh, end of August, early September uh, of 2022. uh, Amazon hosted a webinar for Amps and they got on and we didn't even know they were going to do this, but they just went through two case studies, like professional Amazon branded Legal signed off on it, case studies that I'm sure took them months and months to get approved. But uh, the case studies explicitly said that like, there is this snowball effect from doing the brand referral bonus program and driving external traffic. So we call it the halo effect. They're referring to it as the snowball effect. And then another one got even more specific. It, like, the headline literally said, brand referral bonus program boosts bestseller ranking immediately. And I We're sitting there. I remember looking at my CTO going, wait, did, did, did they just say that? Did we hear that right? Like they actually just say that, like confirm what we've been seeing. We weren't shocked from the case study because we've seen those case studies and we hear our brands say it all the time, but it was uh, pretty cool to see Amazon actually publicly confirm what all those rumors and murmurs. I mean, everyone talks about it that we talked to at conferences is Everyone comes up and say, hey, I've heard that external traffic impacts ranking. Is it true? And we're like, we think so. We have a lot of case studies saying it is true, but we don't know. And um, Amazon actually confirmed it. And then the trick that we've seen, I mean, it's really hard to pinpoint it, right? Is how do you actually, there's so many variables that go into ranking. Your pricing, your inventory levels, uh, seasonality, your competition's pricing. Like, It's really hard to pinpoint it. Um, and then even if you do that tacos examples that I explained, you know what happens if you're like you go into a busy season, yeah, right. Um, but what we've tried to do on our side is we're working towards it to try to actually use our data science to pinpoint it as much as we can, control as many variables. Uh, but we've allowed an export feature uh, so brands can just you know simply as they can you know export the Google data, put it into their tacos equations, and you know if you're still at a ten percent tacos and you're spending more. But overall efficiency stays the same that, you know, it's that's pretty good sign, right? That, that yeah. it's working and you're, you're getting that lift. Yeah, I think that's fascinating,
1: especially since Amazon, you know, laid the hammer down about a year ago in regards to, you know, there were a lot of like search, find, buy campaigns yeah. that people were running and, you know, putting in keywords into those search, find, buy campaigns to increase their organic ranking. Right. And their keyword ranking on Amazon. And then Amazon said, you can't do anything to manipulate keyword rankings whatsoever. And if you get caught doing that, then you, you'll be punished. Right. But then, you know, here we are you know, nine months later. And then Amazon's like, well, if you do <laughs> want to increase your keyword rankings with external yep. traffic, here's the way to do that. Is, is that basically
0: right? Pretty much right. I mean, it's a way to quote unquote manipulate rank that's TOS compliant. And I manipulates, I guess, not the right word. It's a way to influence rank, yeah. right? Is to bring in external traffic. And you know, Amazon is doing everything they can to encourage it uh, with that brand referral bonus program, which is that 10% back, this kind of weird rank rewards that just seems to be happening with their black box A9 uh, ranking algorithm. And the other side of it too is a little bit separate, but um Amazon's doing everything they can do and encourage external traffic right and it rank rewards are free for them to give away so it's obvious that they would Uh, but another recent thing that they did was they took off competitive widget on your product listing page when you bring in external traffic so when you envision your uh, listing page at the top of that page there's that banner that shows, you know, one to three products that are like pretty darn similar to your products, just different, vari- different variations from your competition, different price points, different reviews, and it causes funnel leakage, right? Yep. And uh, about, again, end of summer of 2022, they actually remove that widget for all external traffic that's tagged properly. So now when you click on like a Google ad or a Facebook ad or anything like that, that consumer clicks on that ad comes that uh, product listing page, that widget's gone. And not only is it gone, they actually replaced it with a brand widget. So it, it now shows instead of other people's products, it shows other products from your brand. Uh, so it cool. kind of makes a mini storefront page. There's still competition at the bottom of the page. Sure. It's still Amazon, but yep. it gets rid of uh, some of that, uh, some of those competitions. And we actually saw that impacting conversion rates pretty significantly. Um, what we saw was uh, at the beginning of 2022, that widget didn't exist in a mobile experience, but it, it did exist on desktop experience. Okay. And our team was looking at the data going, mobile is converting a lot better than desktop. That doesn't really make sense. I mean, yes, people buy on mobile, but at the same time, people are more comfortable pulling out their laptop and buying it right there. Right. And so we started diving into it and our CTO actually found that competitive widget showed up on desktop, but not mobile. And he, he, he looked at me and goes, Hey, we're going to get Amazon to get rid of this widget. That's not right. It's hurting conversion rates. We're going to get, make them remove it. I'm saying there going, don't even waste your time. Like Amazon's <laughs> right. not going to change the architecture on their product listing pages. Like that's their money maker. Like they yep. are not going to, They're not going to do that. That's not worth our time. Maybe five years from now, you'll win that battle. Like we have bigger battles to fight. And he's like, Tyler, it hurts conversion rates. We're going to make this happen. I'm just like, all right, man, go for it. (laughs) And uh, so he started talking to our partner team and they actually were kind of interested in it. And uh, we're working with the ads team and the brand referral bonus team who is incentivized obviously to make external traffic efficient and make external traffic profitable. So yeah. the brands do more and more of it. Uh, and so they actually took it seriously. And after several rounds of testing that our CTO was very heavily involved in, uh, Amazon finally it took eight months uh, for them to do it. But that's still pretty. I mean, to change the architecture on a product listing page in eight, eight months is was pretty impressive timing by the Amazon team.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that that's a that's a big ship to turn around and to get Amazon to to do anything. is That's, that's a pretty big win. Yeah, because yeah.
0: It's their it's their marketplace, right? Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it seemed like a lifetime for us, you know, as a small, small kind of startup. But uh, for Amazon, that was a very quick turnaround. I love that. Now,
1: I want to get into a few of the case studies as well of what you've seen working with other brands. But I also have another question. You know, we'll call it a selfish, selfish question for myself. We have over 1300 different SKUs. So my question is this, Tyler, if I'm sending external traffic, to one of my products, is am I going to get a natural lift on all thirteen hundred SKUs of my products, or is Amazon taking a look at? Okay, you sent in number one. They're not seeing the keyword that people search for from Google. Correct. Correct. Yep. Okay. So really, they just see okay, this is traffic coming from Google. That's all that Amazon knows. Right. There's no keywords. No. No. Nothing. But then I obviously Amazon sees the page they land on right right so is it the products that they're landing on typically have this halo effect around them or is amazon just saying like we love this brand now and we're giving everything in your shop more love
0: yeah it's a little bit unclear uh, from our data and what we've seen and heard from our brands is it's much more product specific versus brand specific uh there's two ways to think about it uh, if you send the traffic straight to the product listing, it's a little bit more clear cut of like, that's the product that is getting focused on. That's the product that's probably going to see the lift. Um, and then, you know, it's all the micro conversions, right? It's like, did they spend time on the listing page? Did they look at your pictures? Did they right. watch your video? Did they add it to cart? And then obviously the conversions that the big metric or the, or the big one that drives the biggest lift, of course. But those micro conversions <laughs> add up quite a bit. Now, if you send to a storefront, what we've seen is store for Amazon storefront pages, so like category pages. Like I know that you have some of those running. Yeah, there, it's we haven't seen anything on storefronts to where it lifts all the products on that page. That's much more of okay, you're improving conversion rates because there's no competition on your storefront, and then now as you're getting those added carts on those products and those conversions on those products, hopefully that's when the lifts are much more clear because with a listing page, right? Like Amazon knows it's a listing page, a storefront page. It's a little bit ambiguous to where a lot of products there and whatnot, but obviously add to carts and conversions still impact ranking. And Amazon can see that, Hey, that's a external traffic add to cart. That's an external traffic conversion. So we have a lot more like rank halo impact, snowball effect, whatever you want to call it case studies and stories straight to product listing pages uh, but we've also seen a lot of it on storefronts it's a little bit i mean if you have um if you have a single product amazon storefront that's a little bit more clear-cut right sure. so you're saying yep. the traffic there the focus is that product if you're saying is a category pages think like a product grid where you have four or five products in each row and then ten rows of it you know you've got 40 products in there we, it's just so much more complex this pinpoint a halo effect on that one so we haven't heard as many stories on that snowball effect for like a, a larger category page on an amazon storefront
1: yeah that makes sense would you recommend one way or another what would be a best practice then if if somebody is experimenting with the with ads right <laughs> category yeah. page just your brand page itself or detail page
0: what what are some best practices Yeah, it depends on it depends on your goals, right? Um, It it just depends on what the brand's goal is. And for us, since we're just Google ads experts, like we don't really know the Amazon side of things that well. So we try to stay out of some of this kind of meddling in what's best for your brand. But if you're strictly going, hey, I want to see a halo impact. That is all I care about. I'm focused on the halo impact. That's what I care about. We really kind of push you more towards a product listing page just because it's it's so much more clear cut and dry. If you're saying, hey, you know, I care a little bit, I care a lot more about conversion rates and what the direct A cost is on Google Ads, then we're saying, hey, you're probably more of a product listing because uh sorry, probably more of an Amazon storefront strategy because Amazon storefronts usually convert better uh because there's no competition. You can customize the landing page to improve the experience. So, right. kind of you have to uh, kind of choose like what's your focus you know if you're going to go to a product listing page and then you're going to say, "Hey, I need to see a twenty percent a cost or I need to see a ten percent a cost or whatever, I'm going to say, "Hey, like that's all you care about. Go to a storefront and improve your conversion rates." So you just kind of have to decide like what do you care about, what are the metrics that are going to determine success for you, and then we'll kind of guide you into one of those two directions
1: awesome that that makes a lot of sense, yeah. You always have to start with the end in mind, right? What's, what's right. your why? Then from there, <laughs> you know, break down the strategy. Yeah.
0: So what's what's the point of this? What are we trying to do here?
1: <laughs> yeah, th- that makes a lot of sense. So Tyler, I'm sure you have some case studies with partners that you've worked with that have seen good results from Google ads. So tell me, share why don't you share with our audience some of those case studies? And again, why why should people get on this
0: external traffic Google ad train with y'all? Yeah. So uh, several case studies, uh, kind of the two obvious ones are, you know, product launch case studies or established products. Ones we hear a lot of stories where people are launching a product and, you know, when you're launching a product, you're in that honeymoon period, you're going, Hey, I need eyeballs on this product. And Amazon's taking a serious look at where this product fits in their marketplace. Where does it rank? What do people like about all that good stuff? (laughs) So we hear a lot of great case studies to where, People set up kind of passive Google campaigns, you know, $10, 15 dollars a day, and you just kind of consistently and steadily send external traffic to a product launch product, and that's normally when we say product listing. You're going to a product Most listing sense. page on that point, and you know, as you're doing all your things on Amazon to drive ranking, external traffic is an awesome area to really prop that ranking up, and specifically Google Ads is an awesome area, uh, not just all external traffic because. With Google, people are searching for it, right? If you're launching a broomstick, I mean, people are searching Google for broomsticks, right? Like that's high intense search. Whereas, you know, social or TikTok or Facebook, great for awareness, but you're pushing a product in front of people who are looking at pictures of their friends and families, right? Or dancing videos or whatever people do on TikTok. I don't don't know myself. (laughs) Uh, I swear I'm not on TikTok. Come on, Tyler. Uh, You can spill the beans. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, So product launches work really, really well. Um, Not a direct ACoS, like it's definitely not an ACoS metric of success. It's definitely a drive external traffic, make sure it's good quality product specific keywords. So if you're selling like a six six foot wooden broom, like your keywords are six foot wooden broom, right? And when when people are specifically asking for that specific product, send them to your page because that's going to be good traffic for you. Uh, Other case studies, are you know ones to where you have an established product and you know a couple thousand reviews or whatever, and you're kind of tapping out Amazon ads and you're saying, "Hey, I need to keep growing." You know, how do I find more customers? And Google Ads is an awesome area for that. Again, tapping into buying intent on Google to where when people are specifically looking for your product, make sure you're showing up. Um, one of my favorite case studies is. Amazon, so Amazon arbitrages Google ads. And what I mean by that is Amazon spends, I've always said they spend $6 billion a year on Google ads, Amazon themselves. I was talking to someone who said it was like 14 billion. Oh, geez. So regardless, it's a they big number. They spend a lot of money. They yeah. spend a lot of money. And what they do, um, there's two types of Google ads. There's Google shopping ads, which are those picture-based ones. Yep. And there's there's text ads, which are called search ads, which are okay. text-based, right? And what happens with the, the shopping ones is Amazon buys those and they feature a specific product and they go straight to a specific product listing page. So if your product's showing up there, that's awesome. Amazon's paying for your advertising, it's going straight to your listing page. Uh, text ads is another really valuable area of real estate and that's where what AMP does because um, only the domain owner can do shopping ads. <laughs> Okay. So as a brand, Hadley Hadley Designs, you guys can't do shopping ads. You can only do search ads. But what Amazon does with search ads is they buy it on Google, often, you know, 30, 40, 50 cents per click. The average CPC on Google is about 60 cents. They buy it for call it 60 cents and they send it to a search result page. They do search, find, buy. And you're not allowed yeah, to of do course. it on Amazon. Yeah, of course. They send it to a, a search result page. Where they then have that page covered in sponsored ads yeah. that all cost a dollar thirty per click. Yeah. And so Amazon buys it for sixty, they resell that traffic for a dollar thirty, and they take that difference. They're arbitraging it. So fascinating. Yep. I, it's it's genius. <laughs> genius.
1: I but, never thought of it that way, <laughs> but now I might like my mind is now open. I'm like, okay, that, that makes ten times more sense now.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And the case studies that I always love is when we see those examples, you can replace that Amazon ad with an ad for your product. And then when someone searches broomstick, instead of Google Amazon buying it and then you fighting for it on a search result page, you can replace Amazon ad, send it straight to your product listing, bypass that competition and get that same exact traffic, but for half the price. So I love those case studies because you're already buying Google traffic. But yep. you're just buying it at a premium. Go buy it at the less expensive price.
1: Yeah, and, and buy it where it's more optimized to your brand and your products
0: as well. So exactly, and, and that's why uh, when you, as an Amazon brand, if you use Amps, um, our ads actually say Amazon.com on them, so okay. they look. If you, if you search something on Google and you see an Amazon ad, you have like you have no idea who's buying that ad. It could be Amazon. It could be the individual brand. You have no idea. And so as a brand owner, all of a sudden, like you can do these kind of things like best broomstick on Amazon, right? It looks like an Amazon ad. It looks to a consumer like Amazon saying, hey, we've got a bunch of broomsticks, but this is our best one. But then it goes straight to your listing page. So there's these cool tricks and not tricks. I mean, it's, it's not illegal. It's not like you're not tricking anyone, but kind of strategies that you can deploy. Uh, to kind of cut through some of that research phase and piggyback off of uh, Amazon's authority, right?
1: Yeah, well, I think that's that's a genius strategy, though, because on Amazon, we know that if you're trying to run like a headline search ad or a video ad, you can't make any outrageous claims of this is the best broomstick or, you know, customer's favorite broomstick or any words like that, five-star product, or you can't do that. But I love the fact that like on Google, you can and then it appears as though Amazon is the one who's running that ad and saying this is our best broomstick. But at the end of the day, it's could be
0: myself running that. ad, Right. Exactly. And we don't recommend it in all situations. So don't if you're listening, don't just immediately go put best in front of it. I mean, if you're selling like, I don't know, like cough drops or something and you say like best cough drops, it's like. It doesn't really make sense, but for yeah. like commodity type products where it's super competitive and using best works really, really well. So
1: let's, let's dive into a little bit more of that. Tyler, let's share some additional best practices then um, maybe start from the beginning. And I think maybe we do this in parallel with if somebody wants to get started on Google ads, right? What does that look like? Obviously we, you have Ampt as a service. But let's talk about if I just want to go open up a Google Ads account today. What what is the steps I need to walk through,
0: and then let's share some best practices throughout that process. Sure. So if you want to start a Google Ad account, uh, definitely recommend doing it through the AMP uh, system because when you open up a new Google Ad account through AMP, you get up to a five hundred dollar uh, Google Ad credit. Uh, so definitely a good way to kind of ease some into the waters and have some subsidies as you kind of try to figure out a new channel. Figuring out a new channel like is by no means easy, and like we always try to like this isn't a silver bullet. You got to learn and all that stuff. So that five hundred dollar subsidy definitely helps. Uh, but if you did want to just go uh, amped aside, go build an ad. Um, it, that's what I love about where we fit into this is when we teach and we train our our brands and our customers. We're not teaching and training about amped we're teaching and training about Google ads. And Amped is really just kind of a vehicle to support that journey and to give you the the data that you need to understand what's working because the very high level Amped um, is kind of a middleman. It's an ads platform that sits between Google and Amazon, gives you all the data. Google and Amazon can't talk to each other. So they can't share data. Uh, But with Amped, you have your Amazon data perfectly stitched together with your Google data, keyword level conversions. And basically it's Creates it makes Google Ads the same data set as Amazon Ads. So, ad carts, CPCs, clicks, impressions, conversions, A cost, all that at keyword level and everything. So, what we teach with Google Ads is there's three main components to a really strong Google ad campaign. It's keywords, it's ad copy, and it's landing page experience. If you nail those three things, you have a really good chance of finding success on Google. Now, again you have a good chance it's not guaranteed it depends on your product and depends on how people are searching for your product on google if you're selling um like like gift baskets is one that i always kind of explain as like it's gonna be really hard to get gift baskets to work on google because the economics and the conversion rates just are going to be hard to support it if josh if you search gift baskets on google and i search gift baskets on google we're probably thinking something totally different, right? right. <clears throat> so it's going to be hard to make a product like that work. But <clears throat> if you nail those three things, keywords, ad copy, landing page experience, that's stacking the deck in your favor uh, to have a really good campaign and to drive really good quality traffic into Amazon. So starting at keywords, it's product specific. Um, and this is something where it, it, it kind of drives me a little bit crazy because uh, we see some other folks um, that try to do Google ads to Amazon and it's Amazon tools, right? They're going yeah. at it from an Amazon angle yeah. and <clears throat> they say, Hey, like take your Amazon ads and put them onto Google ads. And we're sitting here are going, Oh, don't do that. <laughs> that is a horrible, horrible <laughs> idea uh, because people search Google and Amazon so differently. Okay. Um, a great example, right. Is on Amazon, you can get away with keywords like gift ideas, uh, father's day gifts, right? Holiday season gifts those kind of things, because on Amazon, there's all those visuals that go with it, Like right? You can just kind of search like gift ideas for dad, and then you scroll through and you're like, oh, yeah, my dad, he could totally use a new baseball glove or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yep. Uh, whereas Google, I mean, if you search gift ideas, <clears throat> you mean, you just click on every link until you're reading blogs, like you're reading for different ideas. <clears throat> so you, and you're big- higher up in the circle. funnel
1: too, right? Because if you're searching on Google, you're more kind of like, this experiential, like, I have no idea, maybe I'm gonna buy something today, or maybe I'm waiting a month. I'm starting my search early, where I think the difference on Amazon is like, I'm, I'm looking for a birthday gift for my dad because
0: I actually need it tomorrow, right? Exactly. It's funnels, right? It's where are you at in the funnel? So on Google ads, birthday gift, or gift for dad or whatever, top of the funnel. However, whiskey, crystal whiskey, drinking glass, that is a birthday gift. Like You're not wrong, but that's got the buying intent. Yeah. That is someone who said, Hey, I've done my research. I've already searched gift ideas. I've decided that this is what I want. And now if you show the right ad at that time and you've got a good product at a good price and it's going to show up in two days for free, <laughs> I mean, you got a pretty good chance of getting conversion rates on that.
1: Well, in addition to that, I've also heard this, and I think we talked about it as well is even if you just throw the word Amazon before or after some of those keyword phrases? Do you see success with that as well? It
0: definitely. It, it You can't just throw the keyword onto it because you want to. You need okay. to understand the search volume. So are people searching Crystal Whiskey Drinking Glass Amazon? Okay. If there's search volume for it, 100%. You want to grab that every single time because that's an Amazon customer. They're going to buy <clears throat> and you have an op- awesome opportunity to convert them. And what's cool about it too is as you said earlier, and I confirmed uh, everything. All the data we see is Amazon doesn't know what keywords are being clicked or searched on Google. There's a big black wall between Google and Amazon. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> you can you can grab traffic that's already going to go to Amazon, but you can funnel it through your product and you can take credit for it. Um, so that's definitely a really good way to drive rank. It does depend on search volume, um, and when you see that too, you want those Amazon keywords in a separate campaign that has its own budget. So you can force budget into them. Yeah.
1: Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about the ad copy then.
0: Yeah. So this is another common mistake. And we, we do everything we can to teach our, our brands on how to do this. Right. Um, ad copy is marketing. Right. Yeah. But the mistake that a lot of folks make, especially when they're new to Google, is they make it marketing. They put super markety ad copy things like, um, like best price. You're going to love this Buy now money back guarantee. Yep. And what you want to do with ad copy on Google ads is you don't want to use it to sell. You want to use it to qualify. Okay. You want to use the landing page to sell. So when someone gets to your landing page, now they, they, it's click They clicked on your ad. They pay you. They've cost you money now you're selling them on the landing page. But on the ad copy, you, you don't want people just clicking because there's a money back guarantee. You don't want people clicking because you told them it's the best price, but then they land on Amazon. It's actually not the best price, right? right? The ad copy needs to be super descriptive. Uh, going back to the broomstick, right? Like if you sell a six foot long brown broomstick, your ad needs to very clearly say, this is a six foot long brown broomstick, right? Like, if you're looking for a 12 foot one, don't click on my ad because yeah. I'm not going to be able to give you what you're asking for. So you have to make sure it's very, very specific to your product. Avoid clickbaity terms because the goal isn't to get them to click on your ad. And this is a, a, a very common mistake people ask us about all the time. It's like, hey, like, like we have a pro service, which is a done for you. And we actually try to have click through rate really kind of low <laughs> because the goal isn't to get them to click the goal is to get them to convert. And so if you have an ad, I mean, I can build an ad that has hundred percent click-through rate. I mean, the ad is just going to say like free money. (laughs) Everyone's going to click on it. Right. Yeah. And that does nothing because they're not going to buy my product. They're not qualified. So click-through rate is not the metric to really care about Uh, a traditional Google marketing person would probably say, well, that's not true. Click-through rate does matter. Right. It matters to a point, but of course, like you need clicks, but you just want to make sure that you're qualifying that traffic with the ad copy." there's no images to go with your ad right so you okay. have to you have to be descriptive and visualize the product through your ad copy
1: yeah makes a lot of sense do you have any good you know ad copy templates or you know phrases that you typically are able to use and would you be able
0: to share some of those yeah um so I mentioned best broomstick before that works a lot of the time uh, but it depends on what keywords you have like if you have very product specific keywords and you do have a good quality product that that, that works well. That does kind of walk that line of a little bit clickbaity, but the way we think about that is it's less clickbaity and it's much more cutting through some research. Right? They've already told right. you they want that broomsticks, and they're cutting through some of the research phase. Uh, we recommend uh, showing your your reviews. You know, if you have, I mean, if you have seventy reviews and a consumer, and, and you put that in your ad copy, and a consumer, I mean, I know people that don't buy products that don't have a thousand reviews, right? So, yep. If they see 70 reviews do you, and they're not going to buy a product with only 70 reviews, maybe you've qualified them out, right? So that's kind of a good way to do it. Uh, but then it does come down to like what the product is. So it's a little bit, it's really hard to templatize ad copy because sure. y- you have to describe the product, right? Like does your product, is does that room stick come in blue, pink, and red? If so... Blue, pink, and red in the ad copy, so a consumer knows that those are their options before they click and cost you money. Uh, so not a ton of like just templates to hand out. It's just kind of reiterating. Like I can tell you more of what not to avoid. I mean, don't put um, things like best price or free gift with your item. Mm. It's not describing anything, right? Yep. So the more descriptive you can be, the better.
1: You're qualifying the traffic. You got to think creatively. Ultimately is what you're saying and utilize it. the nice part is you're you're able to utilize some of the things you you probably wouldn't be able to do in an Amazon ad such as yes. leveraging the reviews right such as saying best or most beautiful or whatever that might be so that yep. people are like oh yeah this is what I'm looking for I, I'm looking for a beautiful
0: whatever right Yep. exactly exactly.
1: Cool. All right. So let's talk about this third and final thing here, optimizing the landing page. Obviously, you know, in the D to C world on Shopify, everything revolves around that landing page and always making improvements. Do I change the add to cart button to green to purple? Or, you know, those are the little 1% tweaks you can be making all the time. But on Amazon, we genuinely don't have much control at all over our listing experience or the product detail page on Amazon, other than the fact that you could direct them to a storefront, build a landing page on the storefront. And they do have some templates you can use there. But in terms of the standard detail page, you don't have any control. So what are, what's your recommendations there? And I think we've talked about this previously. It goes back to, I think, your, what's your why, right? And where you're kind of trying to send the traffic. But what else would you add to that landing page experience?
0: Yeah. So I, I would start with a product listing landing page is a good landing page. It's a good page, right? Um whenever I start talking about storefronts, I'll get a lot of people saying, wait, should I not send it to my product listing? Product listing works, right? Like we see it in our data. That's what we default to. Okay. Um and the reason it works is because it's transactional. The add to cart button is right there. The product is cleanly displayed and it's Amazon, right? Um, what I really recommend is if you're going for direct conversions, replicate your product listing page on your Amazon storefront okay. and remove the competition. So think about a product listing page, right? It's the product. It's out your pictures. you you can click through and look at the videos, et cetera. You've got the ad copy and the headlines and all that stuff. Then right below it, you have and the add to cart button. Right below it, you have thousands of competitors <laughs> that are they're trying to. Steal your traffic, and then below that you have your A plus content. On an uh, Amazon storefront, you can create, you can replicate the page, except no competition. So you can, it's called a um, product section. Is the the name of the section in your Amazon storefront settings? Okay. You want that to be at the very top of the page. Uh, what that does, it pulls in your product listing and the images, the product, the headlines, the bullet points, and the add to cart button. And that's the most important part. You have the add to cart button pulled in. You want that Products at the top. section, then is what you're saying. Okay. <clears throat> product section. That is the it, that is what Amazon refers to as the section in your settings when you're building a Amazon storefront page. And you want that at the top of the page. Uh, in traditional D C we call that above the fold. So when someone lands on the page, they see the product, they see the call to action, which is the add cart button, and they don't have to scroll down the page to find it. So yeah. that's the most important part then you can basically just put all your A-plus content right below it uh, using different sections, image sections, text sections, and you can build out this page, have a nice clean design. And then when you look at it, uh, product listing compared to your new page, it's kind of the exact same thing, except the competition's been removed. And that, what that does is it helps with your conversion rates because there's less of those leeches trying to steal your customers, right? And um, we see that that can impact conversion rates two to three percent or two to three X conversion rates. Wow. Uh, one of our case studies, I didn't mention it earlier, but we did pretty significant A B testing when we first learned about Amazon storefronts and learned that they could be transactional. But a lot of Amazon brands don't know that they can be transactional. Uh, it's unbelievable how often I get on the calls with 10 figure sellers, people that have been selling on Amazon for a decade, and I show them the templates and they're like, wait. How do you get the add to cart button there? I'm like, what? How do you not know this. But to be fair, the reason they don't know it is Amazon's given brands, these storefronts to build, but they haven't really given them a way to get traffic there. So why build a page if you can't send traffic to it and external no. traffic, you can send it anywhere. So storefronts are a great opportunity. It kind of opens the, the door to build those storefronts. Um, we worked with storefronts are hard to get designed sometimes just because brands are uncomfortable with them. Yeah. Um, One of my favorite case studies is um, when we work with brands, like we get excited to get the traffic going to them. So we just say your product listings ready. Let's go there. Here's your instructions. Go build storefronts that transact. Uh, We were working with one of the larger aggregators, actually, and they are a little bit more methodical uh in getting started and we're like, hey, just go to the product listing page. Like, let's just get started there. Yep. And they're like, well, you know, like w- we've gotta get some approvals on this. So it's gonna take some time. So what we said is like, okay, like uh, what's well, fine. You guys are a big aggregator. I get it. Um in the meantime, why don't we work on your Amazon storefronts? And they're like, okay, that's a good idea. And so they gave us 10 products that they wanted to <clears throat> uh, that they wanted to send traffic to. And we worked with them to build custom individual landing pages for each of those 10 products and quite a bit of back and forth to like design it, to make sure it's really well laid out, to make sure it's educational products front and center, highlighting features and benefits, overcoming objections and all that stuff. And we got those 10 pages ready with them. They got them published right around the same time they got approval for ad, uh, ad budget for Google. And so we just sent traffic straight there and it was the fastest. I've seen ACOS get to be comparable to Amazon ad ACOS that I've seen in over 20,000 campaigns wow. uh, because they did the landing page so perfectly. It was so set up for success. It featured the product. It sold the product, right? Like it, right. it actually sold the product, overcoming all the objections that they knew. And normally we teach it's a three-month process. Month one, you collect data. Month two, you're, you're reading the data. Month three... You understand what A cost you can get from Google Ads. These guys, um, they they had twenty percent A costs in the first two weeks, right out of the gates. They just totally nailed it, and it was it was. I don't know if it was better than their Amazon ads A cost. It's never an expectation we like to set. Dollar sure. one goes to Amazon, dollar two goes to Google. But because they had just spent so much time on that landing page experience, they were able to just shoot out of the gates uh, with really solid uh, conversion rates. That's amazing.
1: What a what a fantastic case study. And I mean, what I, I just had a mindset shift myself with, you know, being able to replicate your product detail page but on your storefront and then customize all of that to basically remove your competitors from that. Right. And, and still sell the product. Right. You could still have and you could even move up a Q&A section. Right. If you know a lot of people ask questions about your product before buying, move that up. Right. So it sits right below the fold. As they scroll down, they see it similar to that aggregator. It sounds like where you've optimized this landing page experience to, you know, overcome the objections, really sell the product. And then you saw conversions take off. So that that's one of my biggest takeaways is like replicating the detail page because Amazon, you know, I think we would all be foolish if we didn't think that Amazon is constantly testing. (laughs) Where do we put this add to cart button? Because for them, yep. even a point one percent change in conversion rates is, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars for them, right? Right. Yeah. So replicating yeah. best practices on Amazon, I think that's that's a great
0: idea. Yeah. Another case study that we have um with storefronts is we had a brand that was struggling with returns to where they sold um it, it wasn't an iPhone case, but just let's use that as an example. Sure. They sold an iPhone case and people would buy it. And then return it and say, hey, like, I just bought the wrong size. Like I, I wasn't thinking I, I bought it for the wrong phone. Like I need an iPhone case. Like, can you just replace it? Those are costs for the yes. brand, obviously. Yep. Right. And what they did with their Amazon storefront is right at the top. They said, pick the correct size. <laughs> <laughs> and so then what happened was that traffic came in. They immediately see pick the correct size. And then they go, oh, okay, what size is my phone? Okay, I need an iPhone 11, seven inch case, and they Uh hit the drop down, pick the right size. And it was able to improve their uh, or lower their return rates, because they were able to educate the customer before purchase. And then contrast that experience with a product listing page. How are you going to tell a customer to pick the right size, right? Yeah. Your, yeah, your your headlines, your bullets are all stuffed for SEO reasons, not for educational yeah. reasons. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I love that. What a great yeah. case study. And again, I think the overall takeaway from that is like we got to be more creative and, and think through the way we set up these store pages. And I think a lot of people maybe shy away from them to begin with it. Yes, it is an extra thing to do. But if you can figure it out and and put some resources towards it. I mean, we've heard case study after case study today of people finding success with that. And imagine if you're already succeeding on Amazon and you want to continue to dominate the competition, adding in this external traffic is only going to continue to add to this halo effect for you. And then you implement some of these other strategies with your um, store landing pages and you'll effectively create this huge moat around your business that will be really hard for any new competitor that enters the market to even scratch the surface, so to speak. So Tyler, I know uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. I think you have a few goodies um, for our listeners. But before we get into that, I always like to ask, you know, what is it, uh, one of your favorite books that's been the most
0: impactful for you in your life? Yeah, uh, it should be on my desk somewhere here. Um, The one that I love, it's called Essentialism. And uh, have you heard of it? I have. We actually read that as a team. We do
1: like a <laughs> quarterly book club for our team. That was nice. our previous book, and so I'm a big fan.
0: Awesome. Well, maybe I have to recommend a different book now. <laughs> but uh, no, I love that book. I I try to read it once a year. Um, and basically, the the concept is like deciding what's essential and what's not essential. And if things are not essential don't do them. Right. Yeah. And I, I think it applies, it, it applies so much to, you know, life, but also it applies so much to, you know, building a business. I mean, I know a lot of Amazon brands are entrepreneurs, right? You have a million things that you can do, but if you can start bucketing things into what's essential and what's not essential, um, you know, is that meeting really essential? Probably not. Right. Take that 30 minutes back and actually do put that time into something that's essential. It, it's going to give you so much time back in that you can either reinvest into your business, reinvest into your personal life, and uh, one of the things that that I it put into perspective for me is like I think there's a section in there about priority prioritization, right. right? Like the word priority is singular, right? So you don't have three priorities, you have one priority, and yeah. those other two things are not a priority. Right. And when you can start thinking like that, it just puts so much into perspective. And it's funny, the three or four weeks after I read the book, my life's so much better. And then I start slipping back into old habits. So I probably need to start reading it once every two months or something.
1: There you go. That's one of your quarterly uh, books you should be reading, right? Yeah. I think that's that's great advice. Also, another question I like to ask, what's a favorite productivity tool that you use? Yeah,
0: there's a lot of different ones out there. Um I use uh Zen Flowchart which is flowcharts and mind maps cool and I mean there's a million different versions of them but this is one that I just kind of stumbled across and super easy to use it just helps so much with just kind of mapping out thoughts and especially my role in operations is like okay how do you do things efficiently and when you can actually visualize it and actually you know start moving things around quickly and get it out of your head and get it onto the paper. Uh, it helps so much uh, for, for at least my specific role.
1: Yeah, no, that, that is a great tool. And I have, you know, processes are one of the big things that I work with, even on my team, even if it's not the operations manager, or project manager, I want every team member mapping out their process. Like how do we go from a to Z Right. And I I love that idea. I have that Zen Flowchart, right? Zenflowchart.com or Yeah, I think like it's
0: yeah, I think it's Zenflowchart.com. I mean, I am just, Google it. Them. Yeah, just right? Google it. Yeah, just Google it. I'm partial to it uh just because I found it and that's the one that I use. But I mean, a a flowchart tool is a flowchart tool, so you can find yeah. anyone, right? I love it. No, great, great advice. Well, as we wrap
1: things up here today, um, Tyler. I'm going to break down some of the actionable takeaways that our guests can move forward with. Number one, I would say if you're looking to kind of boost your keyword rankings or have this halo effect going on on your Amazon listings where Amazon's going to give you a little bit of extra love and be 100 percent TOS compliant, doing everything with white hat strategies, driving external traffic. Google ads is something I would definitely recommend that people get started and and just start testing out. In your business and Tyler talked about that sometimes you got just test it out for three months and then keep refining I think for everybody you know that started on Amazon was month one we launched on Amazon and we had it all figured out no of course not like we all learned we all grew onto this platform and so likewise this is a new channel this is a new opportunity and I think those that get started early I'd say these are the early days for the Google Ads going to Amazon you can get started early and just keep reiterating um, time and time again, I think it will reap dividends in your business. And then we broke down really three things uh, to focus on. If you are driving external, you know, Google ad traffic to Amazon, that's number one, focusing on your keywords. They're definitely not going to be the exact same keywords that you're bidding on for PPC campaigns. Keep that in mind. Number two is focused on the ad copy qualify that potential lead, so to speak, to make sure that, you know, that's that's something they, they would be interested in, using the words best or most beautiful in that product copy. And then finally focusing on that or optimizing that landing page experience, you can go straight to the detail page, but taking it up a notch, you could create your own store landing page where you replicate that detail page on Amazon, but remove all the competitors because they're at your store page. So I think those are the overall, you know, takeaways from today's call. Do you feel like I've
0: missed anything, Tyler, that you want to add? No, uh, you absolutely nailed it. The only two things I would add is the TOS compliant side. I know that Amazon brands are always kind of pushing the boundaries and looking for that competitive edge. And um, Amp and Google Ads is completely TOS compliant. Um, Our company is actually partnered directly with Amazon Ads. Uh, They host webinars for us. Every few months, where they actually like they host it, like it's kind of annoying because then I I have to like tell them exactly what I'm gonna say. It has to go through legal and all that stuff, so it's a little bit scripted. (laughs) But um, it's TOS compliant, right? And that's such an important component about Google Ads is it's a competitive edge, but no gray area. Uh, The second thing is just kind of doubling down on what you said about Amazon storefronts. One of the things I kind of liken it to is we get asked all the time from brands should I send my traffic to my Shopify store or should I send it to Amazon? And obviously there's side benefits of saying to Shopify, but when you send it to Amazon, you get the Amazon conversion rates. And when you send it to an Amazon storefront, you get the brand building experience. So you can basically replicate what your Shopify page looks like, but within the Amazon ecosystem. So you get all the conversion rates, you get the brand awareness, you get the brand building. And then you can also, you know, try to get people to hit that follow button, which allows you to, you know, remarket to them, send them those templated emails and whatnot. So those side benefits uh, beyond uh, just the direct conversion rates that uh, are are really cool. And then also with the 10% brand referral bonus program, I think like Shopify is like 3% uh, seller fees or something like that. And it was on your 15. Well, with that 10% discount, now you're at 5%. So all of a sudden, yeah, this question of do I send Google traffic to Shopify or to Amazon? Amazon's making a pretty compelling pitch with their conversion rates, the seller fee discounts and the ability to brand on Amazon now to, to send it to Amazon.
1: Yeah, I think that's fantastic. We didn't talk enough about Shopify, but that was a great, great use case of why you should consider pinpointing that over to Amazon for all of those reasons. Well, Tyler, this has been such a great conversation. You have a gift for our listeners. What is that?
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, So anyone that wants to test out Google ads and uh, have the experts here at AMP help you out, uh, we have a program called Amped Pro, uh, which is a done for you program to where you get access to our data strategists, one of our data strategists that's in a Seattle office. We have a team of them in Seattle. They're Google ads experts, and they've run thousands of campaigns from Google to Amazon. So. They know what to do and they know what to avoid, what mistakes uh, to, to not apply to accounts like yours. And so if you want us to help you out, um, sign up for AMP Pro. and we have a coupon for you today. You can use join AMP 30, all one word no spaces, and use capitals. join AMP 30. and you can 30 uh, percent off your first month of AMP Pro are uh, done for you service. We're month to month too. So if you want to have our expert team set you up for your first few months, kind of find establishment, find some hopefully find some success, help you navigate your first few months of um, testing a new channel, which is definitely the, the difficult months. Right. Uh, we're here to help. And at any point, if you want to move to self-serve and start running the campaigns yourself, you can do that as well. So we always try to um, make it as easy as possible for Amazon brands to test out Google ads and join AMP 30. Uh, is a great way to help you guys get started. I love it. Thanks for sharing that with our listeners, Tyler. And
1: again, we are a client of AMPt. we We got started with them as well in their pro program uh, just a few weeks ago. and so we'll I'll be excited to share some of those results with everybody here on the podcast. But Tyler, thanks again for your time. It was a pleasure hearing about AMPt learning all the cool tactics that we could use to move traffic from Google. Over to Amazon. Thanks for your time.
0: Awesome. Thanks for having me, Josh. Thank you for listening. Visit ecombreakthrough.com for more information. If you've enjoyed today's episode, the best way you can show your appreciation is by clicking the subscribe button and quickly leaving a review. See you again next time.